This documentary about abortion includes material that some listeners may find disturbing. Okay, we're going to put your legs up here okay. just for a minute. Okay. This is going to help him place the speculum properly, okay? Jenna lies on the exam table with her feet up in metal stirrups. She's at the Northeast Ohio Women's Center in Cuyahoga Falls for a surgical abortion. We're not using patients' last names to protect their privacy. Jenna's long fingernails are decorated with tiny, elaborate patterns. Everyone notices them, including Dr. David Burkhans, the owner and medical director of the clinic. Nails of the day, that's for sure. Now, you're going to hear the machine turn on. Means you've got about a minute to go. We're starting the last part, okay? You're doing a great job. You're doing such a great job. The entire procedure takes about 10 minutes. Mm. All done, right? You're done. You did a great job. Turn the lights up. From IdeaStream Public Media in Cleveland, I'm Amy Eddings, and this is Ohio After Row. We're taking stock of how abortion changed after the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. That landmark decision in 1973 legalized abortion nationwide. The day Roe fell, Ohio's 2019 heartbeat law went into effect. The law prohibits abortion after fetal cardiac activity is detected. Doctors say that's usually six weeks into a pregnancy before many women realize they're pregnant. Before the new restrictions, the state allowed abortion up to 20 weeks after conception. Obstetricians measure this as 22 weeks of pregnancy. The six-week limit radically altered abortion access in ways that caught everyone involved off guard. Ohio's heartbeat law was in force for three months when a judge put it on hold. As that case proceeds, lawmakers are preparing to pass even more abortion restrictions. This is what it was like living in a heartbeat world. Spend some time with Dr. David Burkhans and you notice he's got some signature lines, like the way he greets patients after the mandatory 24-hour waiting period before their abortion. Hello, Samantha. Hi, how are you? God, I haven't seen you in forever, like a day. I know. <laughs> okay, so what is your name, honey? Or his stock recommendation about how to deal with uterine cramps. Stay ahead of the pain. You do the things mom taught you when you were 12. You know, curl up yeah. in a ball with a heating pad and say you wish you were a boy, you know? Yeah. I, I only had boys. Now I have granddaughters, and they tell me that. <laughs> so. And there's his call to action at the end of every procedure. Okay, we're all done. Thank you. You're very welcome, honey. But you know the best way to thank us? Make sure you and vote. all your friends vote. <laughs> all right. I've been sharing it all over social media, Doc. <laughs> Burkhans is 75. He owns and operates the Northeast Ohio Women's Center, which has two offices, and the Toledo Women's Center. Together, Burkhan says the clinics performed 4,613 surgical and medication abortions in 2021. 
He says it's professionally satisfying to help people with unplanned pregnancies who want an abortion. When I had my private practice of OBGYN, it was a very good practice, but most of the time the stuff that I did, I mean, I'd sit in my office and I didn't change anybody's life. Here, every person that comes in here with their problem leaves without that problem. Burkhans is master of the workaround. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit, he introduced vibrating call buzzers so patients could wait in their cars for their appointments. When the FDA allowed telehealth visits for medication abortions, Burkhans leveraged that decision to save his patients a second trip to the clinic. He gives them their drugs in a lockbox during their day one consultation. He gives patients the combination during a day two telehealth appointment. Two seven. And there's one big round pill right in the middle there. Now don't give it to the cat. Ohio has dozens of regulations governing abortion. Many of those laws were passed after 2010, when Republicans won the governor's office and a supermajority in the legislature. Mike Gonadakis is the president of Ohio Right to Life. We've passed over 25 different pro-life laws, rules, and regulations uh, in Ohio, far exceeding Texas, Florida, any traditional red pro-life state. And, and I'm proud of that because, you know, I, we believe they're common sense solutions to help uh, to get us to where we are today. It's an unbelievably Byzantine web of legal regulations. Jessie Hill is a volunteer attorney with the ACLU of Ohio. She represents the Northeast Ohio Women's Center and other clinics in legal matters. We have a right to life organization in Ohio that is very well connected into the Republican power structure. And so even though Ohio isn't often thought of as being as sort of conservative a state as like Texas or Mississippi, it has often been on the cutting edge of abortion restrictions in particular. The state's most significant restriction came in 2019 when Republican Governor Mike DeWine signed the heartbeat bill. The signing of this bill today is consistent with that respect for life and the imperative to protect those who cannot protect themselves. The ban after six weeks of pregnancy would greatly reduce the number of abortions. In 2021, nearly 40 percent of the abortions in Ohio were for pregnancies at nine weeks or later. Burkhan says operating under a six-week legal limit would be daunting. You want to continue doing what you're doing because you know that you're helping these women, but you don't know how you're going to do it, and that's an anxiety-causing thing. But you know, when it happens, we'll figure out what to do. And if we can do it, we will. And if we can't, I'm going to retire. As expected, abortion clinics sued. They said the heartbeat law's strict six-week limit violated Roe, which allowed abortion up to when a fetus could survive outside the womb. Doctors who treat premature babies say that's around 24 weeks. A federal judge agreed with the clinics and blocked Ohio's heartbeat law. The case never made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. It didn't have to. Another one out of Mississippi took down Roe. June 24, 
2022, the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Doug, an ardent abortion opponent, stands outside the Northeast Ohio Women's Center to mark the occasion. He wouldn't give his last name due to a desire for privacy and modesty. It's a good day in America. I mean, America might not be over as far as, like, you know, depravity and, and, you know, in in the eyes of God, this is wrong what we've been doing for the last 40-some years. Could you read your sign for me? Yeah, it says business closing 2022. That's a hopeful sign. We're hopeful. I don't know if that will happen. Inside, the clinic's administrative director, Sherry Grossman, sits at the front desk in the dark. Patients are due in about an hour. I, I feel that in my gut, just that impending doom. A little bit of rage. Maybe a lot of rage. How are you going to get through the day today? Just stay focused on the patients and what they need. I might need to step away a couple times and have a cry and come back. I mean, even though we knew this was going to happen, it's still it's not any less shocking. The energy at the clinic feels tense and focused as Burkhans and his staff go about their work. In a telehealth appointment, Samantha swallows a pill to begin her medication abortion. In a few weeks, um, maybe in a few months, if Ohio would ban all abortions, um, you wouldn't have this option. What would you have done instead? Um, I don't know. I would, I guess, I would have my baby, I guess. Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect a few hours later. Within a matter of days, the world got a glimpse of some of its ramifications. Turning now to the abortion case that has gained international attention after a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio was taken to Indiana for the procedure. There are no exceptions for either rape or incest in Ohio. The only exception is if... Pregnant women are at risk of substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function, I'm quoting. Ten years old, raped, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, was forced to travel to another state. Imagine being that little girl. Just, I'm I'm serious, just imagine being that little girl. Ten years old. Those with unwanted pregnancies were now in a race to get an abortion before the six-week legal limit. Many didn't make the cutoff. Burkhan says abortions at his clinics fell by half. Those who could traveled to states with more liberal abortion laws. Some sought financial help from abortion funds. Maggie Scotese is interim director for Abortion Fund of Ohio. We had a client who I had to send over $400 to for Uber because she doesn't have a way to get to her appointment. And she's going to have to Uber the entire way there. And the way there is to where? Uh, To Michigan, to seek care. Michigan was one of three states where voters last November approved constitutional amendments guaranteeing the right to an abortion. Burkhans is pivoting yet again. He's not retiring. He will keep practicing, if not in Ohio, then perhaps in neighboring Michigan. I'm sitting in my living room, 
And I said to my wife, you know, hey, I'm 75 years old. You know, I can retire, do something else, you know, stay, try to stay out of your hair. And she didn't say anything because she knew what was going to happen. About 15 minutes later, I said, you know, I just can't let these win and just keep going. Ohio's heartbeat law was welcomed by many who oppose abortion, but it made the work of pregnancy centers harder. It's devastating because women are rushing into a decision and not taking the time to consider all of their options. That story when Ohio After Roe continues after a break. When I think of my neighborhood, I hear construction sounds. It feels like the place is changing fast. I wonder what that means for the future, and so do my neighbors. We look at this as a a real renaissance that should be cherished and protected. People that's been over here for a long time, we need to just start being real vocal. Hi, I'm Justin Glanville, producer of Ideastream Public Media's latest podcast, Inside the Bricks, My Changing Neighborhood. Episodes wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Ohio After Row. I'm Amy Eddings. June 21st, 2022. The U.S. Supreme Court has not yet released the opinion that will decide the fate of Roe. Outside the Northeast Ohio Women's Center, anti-abortion protesters call out to patients as they arrive for their appointments. We have free help. It's God's baby. It's God's baby, not yours. Not your baby, it's God. God gives life, not man. You might have been part of it, but God gives babies. God gives life. Darlene Moss holds a sign that reads, Pro-life is pro-black. Moss doesn't see an end to her campaign against abortion, even if Roe falls and Ohio's nine abortion clinics close. What I think is a win is that it be finished, and I believe it's finished. I am not going to be playing games about this thing. Are you it's gonna be, are you gonna be back here? Yeah, but I got a different sign. What's the sign then? It's gonna say God will provide and he will. Another protester, Rita Vitali, says she's been coming out here once a week for the last seven years to do what she calls sidewalk counseling. Offer them some free help, Mm -hmm. options, let them know how valuable they are being a life on this earth and how valuable their children are, even if it's going to be hard. Every day I offer to adopt a baby as well. I'm I'm willing to do that. I can adopt a, a baby that's slotted to die today. Nobody's ever taken you up on your offer? No, they just give, some give me a a big smile and look me right in the eyes to see if I'm serious. And I am, and I am. Babies are easy, and so are children. It's, this isn't hard to raise our children. I ask her what she will do if Roe is overturned and the clinic closes. Oh, we help the women who are now empowered to carry their children, we'll direct more money to, you know, pregnancy centers, if that's where the money's needed. But we'll still need to fight uh, this injustice. Three days later, the Supreme Court does overturn Roe v. Wade. This sets in motion new restrictions in Ohio. Right now, the heartbeat law's six-week abortion limit is not in effect. 
A judge has suspended it while abortion clinics challenge its legality. They say it violates the state constitution. For the three months it was in force, the heartbeat law rocked abortion clinics and their patients. But it also created new uncertainty for those who've worked for years to end abortion. Ohio Right to Life's Mike Gonadakis. To be very frank, I, I was um, fearful, worried, you know, because you're hoping for a day to come and it's here. You know, it, it's really here. And then, then the first thing I said to myself is, are we ready? You know, are we prepared? Gonadakis says the state has entered uncharted territory where agencies may need to help even more pregnant women and their families. Data from the Ohio Department of Health show there were nearly 22,000 abortions in 2021. Most of the patients were single women in their 20s. About 60 percent already had children. While Ohio doesn't gather information on patients' income, the Guttmacher Institute does. It's a research organization that supports abortion rights. Its 2014 National Survey of Abortion Patients found 75 percent were low income. This means a ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy will likely affect low-income single moms the most. Many will need financial help caring for their babies. On the day the Supreme Court threw out Roe, Governor Mike DeWine released a video statement suggesting that, yes, the state was ready. Ohio is already investing more than a billion dollars to provide prenatal care, parenting classes, mentoring, education, and nutrition assistance to pregnant mothers and their families. But there's so much more to be done, so much work that remains. And so today I ask you, my fellow Ohioans, to work together with me to focus on these issues and commit ourselves to the health and success of Ohio families. DeWine said no matter where Ohioans stand on abortion, they should be able to come together on ways to support pregnant women, new moms, and babies. While we may disagree vehemently on some things, we can still find common ground in other things. And so let us now find that common ground, roll up our sleeves, dig deep, join together in solving the problems that we all agree must be solved. DeWine believes one solution is pregnancy centers. Since DeWine took office four years ago, he's directed $15.3 million to them. The Ohio legislature appropriated an additional $3 million last December. Pregnancy centers are nonprofit, faith-centered organizations serving people with unplanned pregnancies. They offer free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, and counseling. They also provide free parenting classes and baby supplies. The governor praised them during an appearance on The Bill Cunningham Show on 700 WLW in Cincinnati. You know, they're in every part of the state. There's over 100 of them. They're doing the Lord's work by reaching out and sometimes becoming parents uh, or becoming friends uh, of, of, of people who come in there and just giving them help and assistance. So these are all things that I think, Bill, we all should be able to agree on. But people don't agree on pregnancy centers. Like most everything about abortion in America, they're controversial. Leah, could you open this door for me, please? It's locked on the other side. Gina Benino is giving me a tour of Heartbeat of Toledo. It's a pregnancy center, and she's the executive director. This is where we do pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, options counseling. So as you can tell, when you walk in, 
everything is done very much on purpose from like the lighting to the colors to offer a sense of safety, security, you know, not a cold, sterile doctor's office. So for my radio audience, describe yeah. what this room is like. Oh, it is, it reminds you of a counseling office. It's dim lights, it's soft colors, it is extremely comfortable uh, furniture. <laughs> um, I'm, sound, seeing, I'm seeing big yes. black leather comfy chairs. Yes. and Sound machine, you know, with some, some tranquil waves going in the background. Um, from the moment they walk in the doors, we want them to get that sense of like, calm you know an escape from all the outside stressors and influences and just come be a place of safety where they can just be heartbeat of toledo was founded in 1971 before abortion became legal nationwide heartbeat international is now a global nonprofit with 3000 affiliates its website says its programs are consistent with biblical and orthodox christian ethics and teachings Still, Benino says they steer clear of anything overtly religious, like Bibles in the waiting room. We are not a religious organization. We are not a political organization. So we stay away from anything that would lead clients to think that. Benino shows me another room where the lighting is low. There's a candle on a side table. She says this is where staff members talk to pregnant women about their options. Abortion adoption, and parenting. It's not just a decision on whether I want to keep this baby or not, whether I want to be a mom or not. It's so much more. It's either, you know, the relationship that I'm in or finances or it's daycare or it's I'm living in my car and it's like a housing issue. So can we connect you with food banks? Can we connect you with housing and things that are outside of our walls that may help you make this decision? Benino says her staff does not coerce a woman into making a choice. She knows that's not what some people might think. You know, everyone makes their assumptions, you know, and groups people together. Uh, but we are really adamant about that, you know, letting the women know we're here to support you. At the end of the day, it's your decision. After counseling comes the ultrasound. Like all of Heartbeat of Toledo services, it's free. The ultrasound tends to be... The most emotional part of the appointment, you know, that's where things really get real. Anti-abortion advocates put great stock in ultrasounds. They say a woman is less likely to get an abortion after seeing her developing baby. It's why some states, including Ohio, require abortion clinics to offer a patient the opportunity to see the ultrasound before the procedure. On its website, Heartbeat of Toledo says it does not provide abortion or abortion referrals. Some critics of pregnancy centers say they mislead women into thinking they will help them get an abortion. The center's website also has a list of staff that includes registered nurses, licensed social workers, and certified sonographers. Benino says they use these credentialed workers to counter critics who call pregnancy centers fake medical clinics. In its 2020 annual report, Heartbeat of Toledo says nearly all of its clients chose not to have an abortion. You know, if you're talking about the best possible outcome, I mean, what is most celebrated, it's that life. It's that mom choosing life because she wants to, you know, but at the end of the day, no matter what she decides, it is 
her option, no judgment to her. Benino says the center strives to make women feel comfortable and in control. That effort was undermined while the heartbeat law was in force. What we are seeing now is more panic. Whereas before we may have seen a client who is exploring her options and she feels she has time to explore her options. Now there's this pressure to, I have to hurry up and make this decision before that six week mark. Was that a surprise to you that this is what happened? It's not a surprise. It's something that saddens me because this overturn has been celebrated by so many, but I am seeing the other side of it and what many celebrate, we're seeing the effects of that and it's devastating. It's devastating because women are rushing into a decision and not taking the time to consider all of their options. Benino wants her clients to take their time. Just reminding women, you know, every state is different. You know, you're to not make a rash decision based on Ohio, you know, specifically, but you have time. I mean, they do. They have time because a well thought out, a well informed decision has a lower risk of being regretted than something I rush into based on a situational stressor. Gina Benino was drawn to this work because of her experience with unplanned pregnancies. Benino, who is 36, first became pregnant at 19. Abortion never entered her mind. She had two more children, then a fourth with a new partner. Then she became pregnant again with twins. Her partner didn't want six children. She had a choice, get an abortion or raise six kids by herself. So I ran numbers on what I could afford. And when I was looking at housing for seven, me and six kids, you know, I went and looked at a couple. I'm like, okay, can I do this? Like looking at a couple places and there were bars on the window. I, I saw two drug deals go down. I was like, what environment would I have to put my other four children in to keep these two? And that was the hardest thing I've ever had to go through in my life. And even, even in that moment, I wasn't sure. I was unsure the whole process through it. And yeah, looking back at it, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's a very real experience, you know? So it wasn't that I didn't know what I was doing. It's not that I didn't know the value of life. I knew, and that's what made it so hard. So I felt in that moment, I was doing what was best for those four children to follow through. Benino says she worries other women may do what she did and choose abortion based on fear. Fear of disapproval, fear of abandoning educational or career goals, fear of parenting, fear of financial insecurity. Benino says Heartbeat of Toledo tries to address those concerns. And if women decide to bring their pregnancies to term, she says the center can provide emotional and material support. It offers maternity clothes, diapers, wipes, formula, cribs, and other supplies for children from infancy to age two. Clients earn these items by taking free parenting classes. Last year, 43 clients completed the two-year parenting course. The center threw a graduation party. There was cake, heart-shaped balloons, and graduation certificates. All right, who's the graduate? Are you the graduate? I am. You are, okay. I saw it over here. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, Celestine Allen is here with her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. 
Alan says she did not come to Heartbeat of Toledo for pregnancy counseling. She came for the class and the free supplies. I was actually eight weeks pregnant with her when I started the class, so I enjoyed it. What'd you learn? Well, how to contain her tantrum. Would you recommend this to a friend? Most definitely. Especially if they can't really afford much of anything for their baby, take the class. You know, you give give cool stuff and stuff, you know what I mean? Heartbeat of Toledo was amazing. Another graduate is Haley Jones. She's the mother of six. Age range? We have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and a newborn. <laughs> wow. That's Jones says she sought out Heartbeat of Toledo knowing she was going to have her baby. I wouldn't say there was any concerns just trying to um, find some like local resources. So it wasn't like you were considering abortion? And no, no, no. No, no, nothing like that. No. Pregnancy centers are not just dealing with pregnancies. They're dealing with poverty. Sociologist Alexander Kissling says material support is a big part of what these centers do. Kissling is the lead author of a recent study of the services offered by what she calls crisis pregnancy centers. She spent time at eight centers in Ohio. They really didn't do very much of what they called options counseling. And in fact, some of the people who worked there craved that. They felt that, you know, this is what I actually got into this service to do is to talk to people about abortion. She says this agenda is what makes crisis pregnancy centers, or CPCs, problematic. Their help is short term. It comes with strings. It can also come with a strong religious quality to it as well. Many of the CPCs that I researched offered Bible study as a way to purchase the material goods you needed like diapers. And I feel like that is deeply problematic for the state to be providing money to organizations that have an anti-abortion and an explicitly religious bent to them. Kissling's study notes researchers have found some pregnancy centers make false or misleading claims about abortion risks. Planned Parenthood says they have a shady, harmful agenda. The Guttmacher Institute calls them a public health concern. So does the Reverend Terry Williams, an abortion rights advocate. He's the pastor of Orchard Hill United Church of Christ in Chillicothe. Frankly, I end up counseling a lot of people who interact with these folk and later find that they have really felt uh, manipulated or abused. People who a year, two, three years after interacting with a crisis pregnancy center now have children that they cannot take care of because these people made this sound like it was going to be such an easy choice to parent a child and now they've disappeared from their lives. Williams says the state should take the money it spends on pregnancy centers and invest it in maternal health care services, birth control subsidies, and rural health equity initiatives. Others say it should go to community health clinics or to increase welfare benefits. Kelly Copeland is executive director of Pro-Choice Ohio, an abortion rights advocacy group. She says the debate over resources misses a larger point. All the social services in the world are not a substitute for abortion access. Some people just simply cannot handle bringing a child into this world for lots of very good reasons. 
Despite the concerns about pregnancy centers, they stand to get more taxpayer money in the near future. Governor DeWine and conservative lawmakers see pregnancy centers as partners in the state's effort to meet what may be a growing demand for help. Observers of Ohio's legislature think redistricting has played a part in Ohio's abortion restrictions. The process is absolutely clear. You get the abortion policies that your map allows. More on that when Ohio After Row continues. The news landscape changes rapidly. I'm Rick Jackson, host of The Sound of Ideas on Ideastream Public Media. Every day, we tackle in-depth the current affairs and news topics impacting Northeast Ohio and beyond. You can listen to the program live every morning at 9 on 89.7 WKSU. If that time doesn't work for you, you can also listen on demand at your podcast provider of choice. You can find current and previous episodes by searching The Sound of Ideas where you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Ohio After Roe, the story of the state's new abortion landscape. I'm Amy Eddings. People on all sides of the abortion debate are wondering what comes next. For three months, they glimpsed what would happen under a six-week abortion limit. Many abortion opponents want even tougher restrictions now that Roe is gone. Here's Republican State Representative Jenna Powell of Arcanum speaking at last year's Ohio March for Life. There is now no excuse for abortion to be happening in our state and other Republican states. Powell listed the abortion laws she'd like to see. We must pass a life at conception piece of legislation and we need to do it quickly. We need to stop chemical abortions in our state and we need to stop woke corporations from coercing employees across state lines and paying for their abortions. Powell also wants to empower citizens to sue people they believe helped someone get an illegal abortion. Her bill, HB 480, is modeled after a similar law in Texas. If that bill passes, it could lead to lawsuits against abortion rights advocates like the Reverend Terry Williams of Chillicothe. We stand in the church parking lot near his car as a lawn care guy cuts the grass. It has about 158,000 miles on it, and we'll get more miles on it uh, over the next few months, unfortunately, driving folk all over the place for abortion care in particular. His car has a purple bumper sticker that says, Had an abortion? Yes, God loves you. Williams tells people abortions are holy. Yes. Yes, abortions are holy. Abortions are life-giving. Abortions are at the root of what it means to have autonomy and choice over your body. Abortions are hard to get in this part of Ohio. The nearest clinics are at least 50 miles away. Williams says some women in Appalachia choose to handle their own abortions. He lets them know how they can do so using medications available from abortion providers or through the mail. And this is what we hope people can hear out of all of this work, is that you do not have to have an unsafe self-managed abortion. The days of coat hangers should be over. Williams is a member of Faith Choice Ohio. It's a coalition of religious leaders and faith communities that supports reproductive rights. It trains people how to talk to others about self-managed abortion in a manner that reduces the risk of legal trouble. 
we want to make sure that it's not coming across as we are directing individuals because we've already seen in places like Texas, people are coming up with all kinds of laws to criminalize the way folks can share information about self-managed abortion. Williams is not the only one bracing for increased regulations and criminal penalties. So are doctors, abortion providers, abortion access groups, and lawyers. Everyone, welcome uh, to the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. Several attended a symposium in Cleveland one month after the Supreme Court struck down Roe and Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect. Uh, Our uh, subject for which you're all here is the legal and medical landscape of reproductive rights in Ohio after the United States Supreme Court case recently. The uncertainty was palpable. Is giving money to an abortion fund or a defense fund complicity? If a patient were to order a Lyft or an Uber to go to an appointment, is that Uber driver, do they have a shared intent? What about frontline staff, receptionists, medical records workers, anyone who touches records, should they have concern for potential prosecution? Criminal defense attorney Ian Friedman organized the event. He asked Cuyahoga County Assistant Prosecutor Jennifer Driscoll when the speculation would end. As I hear you talking about what could be, my question is, how are we going to find out what is, right? How are we going to have these questions answered? I think it's when, when the first case is filed, when mm-hmm. the first prosecution is out there, and to see what people are going to, to try to do with the laws and, and what will stick and what won't stick. Doctors who perform abortions after the six-week legal limit face fifth-degree felony charges unless they can prove the procedure was necessary to prevent the death or the severe impairment of the mother. If convicted, doctors could spend six to 12 months in prison, lose their medical license, and pay civil damages and penalties up to $30,000. Friedman is developing a network of attorneys willing to represent the defendant in that first case. I've spoken to uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, some of my prosecutor friends that I respect, and uh, they have made it clear that there are those amongst them that uh, are chomping at the bit to bring one of these cases. So the certainty is it's coming. The uncertainty is where and how. Waiting and reacting. It's a familiar position for abortion rights advocates in Ohio. Some acknowledge they've been playing defense for years, pushing back against each new abortion restriction. The ACLU of Ohio is currently challenging six laws, including the 2019 heartbeat law in state and federal courts. Outside of litigation, supporters of abortion rights appeared divided when they talked about next steps at Trinity Cathedral Episcopal Church in Cleveland. Uh, we want to welcome Senator Brown. I want to thank all of you all for being here. Ohio's Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown convened the discussion in Cleveland a few weeks after the Supreme Court decision on Roe. And, uh, this is a meeting for you and for me to listen to you. and. Um, I only will say that um, thank you for already speaking out. Some at the roundtable said the fight for abortion rights must be part of a broader effort to expand access to reproductive health care. Alana Bell is the former deputy director of the Ohio Women's Alliance, a reproductive justice group. She says the focus should be on those who are poor, black, or transgender. So when we're talking about abortion access, I think one of the strongest things that we can do is sort of shift the conversation to say from women's rights to human rights to people's rights to our rights. 
Others asked the senator about the political appetite for major changes in the U.S. Senate and the Supreme Court. You know, is there a potential to overturn the filibuster? You know, can we get federal action? Lots of people. So is there any movement on adding additional justices uh, to the Supreme Court to balance what's going on here? She's talking about adding liberal justices to dilute the court's conservative majority. Pro-choice Ohio's Kelly Copeland urged Senator Brown to secure passage of a bill that would protect a person's right to end a pregnancy and a health care provider's ability to offer abortions. We have to pass the Women's Health Protection Act. I, I know that. Yeah. You say we have to, but we don't have enough people that, that are in the Senate and House that will vote for it. And I don't, I, 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 I know you understand, but of course we have to pass that. Of course we have to do a lot of things. You know, it's not. Dr. David Burkhans was there taking this all in. With all due respect to you people, things like women's rights and gay rights and all that, so that's very, very important stuff. But it isn't abortion. We have to get into the nitty gritty of how do we get women to be able to access abortion and worry about all this other stuff at another time. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but. Shri Thakalapati also runs an abortion clinic. She's interim executive director of preterm in Cleveland. No, that's not what I said. This doesn't have relevance to the discussion, I think, is, is absolutely not true because the very fact that you did 10 abortions this morning is hinged on people doing this hard work of figuring out what does it mean to advance a movement and whose interests are represented in that movement. Remember the other side as one. Abortion rights advocates say they need to build coalitions in order to succeed. They say they can do this work and keep clinics open. Burkhans is not so sure. I mean, that's the problem to me with the whole movement is they talk in platitudes rather than what today, to me, this meeting was about how do we get women abortions. Supporters of Ohio's heartbeat law are frustrated that a judge has put it on hold while he hears arguments over its constitutionality. In the meantime, doctors can once again perform abortions much later in a pregnancy. Katie Glenn is state policy director for Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, an anti-abortion political action group. She says the judge is thwarting the will of Ohioans. The heartbeat law was something that was debated for many years in the legislature. The public was able to weigh in over and over. It passed through the legislative process. It was signed by the governor. And now one judge says, actually, I just don't think this is good policy. That is not the role of judges. When the U.S. Supreme Court threw out Roe, it returned abortion regulation to the states and their elected representatives. Some observers of Ohio's legislature wonder how much say voters actually have. David Niven is an associate professor of political science at the University of Cincinnati. You can't study campaigns and elections in Ohio for very long without realizing that what matters more than the candidates and often what matters more than the voters is the maps that they're living under. Niven studies gerrymandering. That's when the boundaries of election districts are drawn to favor one political party. He says Ohio is one of the most gerrymandered states in the nation. 
Republicans have been in control of redistricting since 2001. They've drawn maps giving them super majorities in the Ohio House and Senate. They expanded those super majorities to historic proportions in last November's elections. This is happening even though voter preferences in statewide contests over the last decade have been more evenly split between Republicans and Democrats. If you add up all the bills that pass in the legislature of Ohio and compare that to the bills that are passing in other states' legislatures, we have one of the most conservative legislatures in the nation. It's to the right of South Carolina. Niven's research found state legislatures that were gerrymandered to heavily favor Republicans were 41 times more likely to impose strict abortion bans after Roe fell. The process is absolutely clear. You get the abortion policies that your map allows. Ohio Right to Life President Mike Gonadakis doesn't think gerrymandering has anything to do with the success of anti-abortion legislation like the heartbeat law. Just because you're Republican doesn't mean you're pro-life. Just because you're Democrat doesn't mean you're pro-choice. Gonadakis says it took eight years to build support for the heartbeat bill, even among Republican lawmakers. It was introduced in 2011, making Ohio the first state to consider such a ban. Republican Governor John Kasich vetoed it twice, saying it would never go into effect because of Roe. Then came the 2018 gubernatorial race. Republican Mike DeWine said he supported the bill. There's no gerrymandered lines, a statewide election. And Mike DeWine won, and he said often on the campaign trail he would sign the heartbeat bill if he got elected. So it didn't stop the voters from voting for him. They voted for DeWine last year, too, re-electing him easily over an opponent who campaigned on abortion rights. But Jen Miller says there's more to a gubernatorial election than the single issue of abortion. Miller is the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio, a good government group. Ohioans, when they cast their ballot for governor, they're thinking about a lot of things, not just abortion. And so pointing to one election to say that that means the state of Ohio is pro-life, I think is, is highly problematic. Miller says Ohio's legislature is more extreme in its positions on abortion than Ohio voters are. A 2020 Baldwin-Wallace University poll bears that out. It found 51% of likely voters thought abortion should be legal all or most of the time. Only 14% said abortion should never be legal. The League of Women Voters has been fighting for fair maps in Ohio for decades. The nonpartisan group and others are currently locked in a battle with Republicans over their latest maps. They argue the maps are unconstitutional partisan gerrymanders. These maps gave Republicans their super, super majority last fall. The Ohio Supreme Court has so far sided with the league, rejecting the maps multiple times. But that could change. The court picks up the long-running case with a bench that became more conservative after last November's elections. Niven says legislation like Ohio's heartbeat law shows why this stuff matters. You know, I understand very well that gerrymandering sounds like, you know, geography as taught by accountants. It sounds like something that's really dry and re abstract and, and removed from people's lives. But the practical reality is it's at the heart of every issue that folks care about. 
Supporters of abortion rights know their cause has no chance in the current Ohio legislature. They want a constitutional amendment guaranteeing the right to reproductive freedom. The earliest they could put it on the ballot is this November. Dr. David Hackney is a Cleveland obstetrician who specializes in high-risk pregnancies, which sometimes result in abortions. He says the amendment could not come soon enough for his patients. We're seeing patients with fetal anomalies right now. We're seeing patients with concerning medical conditions right now, and it never stops. And what's the accumulation of grief? What's the accumulation of moral injury over, you know, weeks and months or even a year. Hackney says all-out bans or severe restrictions on abortion force some of his patients into impossible situations. He's thinking specifically of deadly birth defects like anencephaly, where there is no brain. When you have a anencephaly patient and you cannot provide abortion services and they cannot travel out of state, it's just sad and there's nothing that you can do. Hackney is optimistic people will rethink abortion restrictions once they see the harm they can cause. The whole country could potentially be ultimately in a better place. 